This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome David Cooney. Good to have you with us, David. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, having me, Mr. Cudmore. David Cooney is a U.S. military veteran, and I might add, very polite, and currently a student at Utica College in Utica, New York. He's researched and written a paper on prisoner of war camps for German soldiers that existed, for example, in Utica and elsewhere in New York State during World War II. The war with Germany was in Europe. How is it the German prisoners of war came to the United States? It's a very fascinating tale of how they ended up here. Originally, with the start of conflict, there was a little less than, if I remember correctly, it was only in the hundreds when it came to German prisoners of war. One year after Pearl Harbor, December 1942, there was only 431 prisoners of war in the United States, completely. 380 German prisoners and 51 Japanese prisoners with the United States really not electing to focus the weight of her military might on the political matters of prisoners of war. But it was political pressure by the British that ends up bringing prisoners of war to America due to them just quite simply running out of space. Mm -hmm. And with this political pressure, America finally accepts German prisoners in August 1942 when they accept an emergency quota of 50,000 prisoners from Britain. Hmm. And so it wasn't just New York. I mean, other states housed prison, German prisoners, correct? Yes, sir. They were all over the continental United States. When you talk about these prisoner of war camps, the only states that did not have these camps are Nevada, Montana, North Dakota, and Vermont. They were all over the place, and out of the 511 camps cited in, if I remember correctly, 1944, they were predominantly located in the American Southeast and the American Southwest. Hmm. Um, you write that prisoners from Germany's Africa Corps were housed upstate. Is that so? And uh, why was that? It was just quite simply during the time of the conflict. So the first German prisoners of war to be brought over here were the veterans of the Tunisian campaign. These were Rommel's Africa Corps men. And they were the first ones to be brought over across the Atlantic to the United States. And right around May 1944, that's when the German POW program truly starts in New York State when they replaced the Italian prisoners of war that were located at Pine Camp when they were integrated into what's called Italian service units when the Italians surrendered to the Allies during the Second World War. They were transferred and trained by the Americans and then brought back to Italy and other various points in Europe to fight. And how they got there is quite simply they had work projects to fulfill and Pine Camp was empty at the time and that's kind of how they ended up there. Hmm. Well, let me ask you specifically about the camps. What, Where was Pine Camp? Pine Camp is present-day Fort Drum. It's located during, in, right near Watertown, New York, in upstate New York. It's actually the first permanent prisoner of war camp here in New York State, the other two being Camp Shanks down near New York City, and the other one being Old Fort Niagara near Niagara Falls, New York. And currently, Fort Drum is an active military installation in conjunction with the 10th Mountain Division. Mm -hmm. Do you know if it was an active military installation in, in the 40s? 
Oh, it absolutely was. It was. Yep, it was absolutely an active military installation. I've looked. I've seen a couple of maps from the 1940s that were courtesy of the Fort Drum and Tenth Mountain Museum in Watertown, New York, who've been absolutely invaluable to my research, where it was an active military installation. And quite honestly, there's no better place to, if you want to put German prisoners of war, on an active military installation because you have built-in military police and guards ready. But as we've seen in a couple of escape attempts, sometimes it didn't stop the prisoners from trying to escape. Mm-hmm. And there was a camp also in Utica, right, specifically in the city of Utica? Yes, sir. Uh, the Utica camp was founded, was started in July of 1944, but the plans for it were all made throughout June 1944. And the Utica camp was built actually near the former Sequoia Paper Company factory, which is on Seward Avenue in Utica. And during that time, they transformed the factory into the base camp for the German prisoners. But also, this area during this time was the home of Rhodes Army Field Hospital, which was the main field hospital here in Utica for soldiers coming back from World War II, and more famously for the Bataan Death March, which Mm. coincidentally came up in some of my research. But this POW camp, again, built near another military installation, was built across the street from the Wankel Playground. So you have kids playing on a playground right across the street from German prisoners of war, which I find absolutely fascinating (laughs) in my research. Yeah. Now, and also that that field hospital was in Rome, did you say? It was in Utica. Oh, the field hospital's in Utica. Was this, was the camp on Seward Avenue? Um, uh, Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Let me ask you about when they decided in in this particular case uh, to create the camp in Utica on Seward Avenue. At first, they, I mean, it's like citing anything or putting up anything that's controversial, I suppose you'd say. Uh, Did the neighbors want it? Did the city want to have a POW camp? Well, the city of Utica, they really had no choice in the matter. Quite honestly, especially looking at Utica City Council reports from the 19, from 1944 year, but this camp is originally not even supposed to be in Utica. It's supposed to be in Oneida, New York, but the Oneida City Council, with six members on it, one member ended up abstaining on the vote, and a five-to-nothing decision actually rejected the use of the Oneida Armory for the POW camp again, initially supposed to be there in Oneida, with Oneida City Attorney Walty E. Wilcox referring to the possible damage and, again, as you mentioned, the disturbance of the local community as main factors in Oneida not wanting the camp. And then finally, it's Hugh A. Drum, the commanding general of the New York National Guard, who says, you're not going to be allowed to use this facility. So that leaves the company, the United Madison Canners, Inc. They're the company that actually contracted the prisoners of war to begin canning operations in factories. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. they have to try to figure out where, not, if not in Oneida, where else. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting that Oneida was able to turn it down, but Utica couldn't or didn't uh, for whatever reason. No, and honestly, especially being a veteran in the Army, uh, Alan Stevenson honestly probably has the best quote I've seen when it comes to how the prisoners of war got here. And in the Utica Observer Dispatch, actually, he is quoted as saying, when the Army says it's going to do something, it's going to do it regardless of any 
any protest any of us make. Mm-hmm. Which basically says that the Army said that they're going to put this prisoner of war camp here since they couldn't find anywhere else. They even tried putting it in Rome. And the Rome Army Airfield at the time denied any knowledge of this. They had no idea what they were talking about. Hmm. So, and there was a couple other places in between they tried putting these POWs, but ultimately they decided, well, this prisoner of war camp has to go in Utica. Well, and again, there's so many fascinating parts of this uh, story, and it hasn't gotten a lot of uh, coverage over the years. But looking at the map you have with little dots where all the camps were in New York State, I noticed that there doesn't appear to be any in my area, which is, you know, I'm, I, I write a lot about Amsterdam and the eastern Mohawk Valley, but but also in Albany, Saratoga. There, there weren't, there was, or were there, uh, th- to your knowledge? To my knowledge right now, that's actually on my um, proverbial research hit list is at the National Archives, they have a documentation of all the camps. So that's actually on my way, on my research path right now. And especially exploring the Anirondack region, including the Capital Region, as you've mentioned, sir, mm-hmm. is on my hit list right now, because even in the case of Italian prisoners of war, they were logging up in Old Forge, mm-hmm. up in the Anirondacks. Mm-hmm. So there is a possibility that Germans had POW camps up that direction and definitely towards the Albany region, but it's just having the time to go find that research material. Now, back to the Utica uh, um, camp, which you have learned quite a bit about, the, um, you, you mentioned this in passing, but these were work camps, right, or in general, that the prisoners didn't just sit there or just exercise or whatever. They had things, they had to do things, and what they were doing was working with a canning company? Yes, sir. So what it is 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 that various companies could apply to use German prisoners of war, and they had to establish why they needed German prisoners of war due to labor shortage. So this is kind of stopgap between, we know a lot about the history of women workers during World War II and men working in factories, but this is that sort of stopgap in between, and they did work in cane operations, they worked in fields, they actually weren't not only in Utica when it comes to the Oneida County area, they were actually operating in Clinton, Kirkland, and also too, as I've found out recently, out in Waterville parking operations there mm-hmm. and then also Rome at the same time where they were helping canning operations out there with Utica really as their base camp. Mm. David Cooney's with us. Uh, he's a student at uh, Utica College. He's a U.S. Army veteran, maybe more on that in a moment. Wrote a, a paper for school, I believe, about, or, or has done research on prisoner of war camps for German soldiers in upstate New York. Now, at the Utica camp, they had to build the camp, as I understand it, and there were a couple of incidents that happened there. There was a strike and at least one or maybe more escapes. Uh, uh, Well, tell me about, uh, maybe you've covered building the camp. What what was the strike? So with the uh, building of the camp, the camp was built before the prisoners arrived underneath the then commander of the camp, Lieutenant Gunther who was the charge of the military police there at the time. They constructed the camp prior to them coming, which resulted in a fence being built, really two fences being built, and then two lookout towers for the guards. And now you do mention the uh, strike, which is, in my research right now, the Utica camp is one of the first camps to see both a strike and an escape in New York, which is very remarkable. 
But the prisoners elected to go on strike on July 5th because the United States, during the procedure of in processing prisoners of war, explained the Geneva Conventions, and then prisoners of war have access to books and can read about the Geneva Conventions. Now, their main issue with the Army's requirement was that they work 12 hours a day, which in their view was a violation of Article 30 of the Geneva Convention at the time, which stated that prisoners of war, including time of the journey to and from work, shall not be excessive and shall in no case exceed that permitted for civil workers of the locality employed in the same work. In essence, they were saying that the local populace was working less hours a day, so that way they should be allowed to as well. Hmm. But they also issued a second ultimatum to be let outside from, instead of 9.30, like how they initially are, to 10 o'clock at night, which the Army refused to give into. Hmm. And subsequently, they're put on a bread-and-water diet. And that essentially is you get a loaf of bread a day and as much water as you want, and the Army basically starved them out of this strike. The six ringleaders were sent back to Pine Camp, and their reasoning for it were, was the facilities for disciplining them were more adequate. So in Army speak, they just sent them back to Pine Camp to be punished. And really three days of the bread and water diet, the prisoners ultimately came back to the camp. And then the escape on August 12th is also, again, one of the first escape attempts I've seen here in upstate New York when it comes to German prisoners of war, where a prisoner managed to wiggle himself through a fence. He went around the camp and over onto the Wonkel playground where two little girls just happened to be playing. Mm. Every, honestly, every parent's worst nightmare right there. So he began to speak to one of the little girls while the other one actually ran back to the camp, let the guard know that, hey, you guys are missing a prisoner, and a prisoner guard with a Tommy gun ran over across the street, retrieved the prisoner, and brought him back to the camp. Huh. And didn't people in the neighborhood protest or come, something like that happened, or no? There really wasn't a lot of protest of the POW camp. America kind of went along with their lives. I interviewed a young lady who actually lived right down the street from the prisoner of war camp. Her name is Eileen Yuski, and she was nothing but positive about the prisoners. And her, and from what I talked, I asked her that question when I interviewed her, what her parents think about it. And they were kind of different about it. It was a part of the war effort. It was something that was asked of mm-hmm. the American people. She remembers the prison guards marching up and down her street every day, and she would wave hi to them. Mm. And at first, the children were scared, but once they realized they're not a threat at the playground, they went about their days because these were not the real indoctrinated Nazis. These were 19- to 23-year-olds, allegedly, that were at this camp. These weren't Rommel's hardened Africa Corps. These were soldiers. Mm-hmm. that were just caught in a conflict. But as you do mention, there was some negativity towards these prisoners of war. One in, in the Utica OD, they did a story about community interaction with the camp and what they thought of the camp. One, in, one unnamed father said, I can't speak for everyone, but personally, I don't care for it. I know that my people are pretty much upset, and this thing altogether is too close for comfort, which he is honestly very accurately right and angry so. But some people see it as a tourist attraction, where it's interesting, it causes a lot of excitement, was the quote of one Miss Leroy Alexander. 
And ultimately, at one point, the safety commissioner of Utica has to shut down Seward Avenue because there's so many people coming to look at this camp. It, they're driving their cars to Seward Avenue to look at all of these German prisoners, and it literally becomes a tourist trap, huh. per se, but it also puts <clears throat> children at risk, and that was a reasoning behind closing down Seward Avenue for the duration of the German prisoners' stay there. Did you find any of this tourist idea, let's say at Pine Camp or some of the other camps you've looked into? Unfortunately, no. Whereas Pine Camp, they were deep within the camp, so there's really no opportunity for people to go there if they even knew about it. We're talking with David Cooney, who's uh, uh, written a paper, has been doing research on prisoner of war camps for German soldiers in upstate New York. He's an Army veteran and a a student at Utica College. We'll be back with him in uh, just a moment. This is the Historian's Podcast. We depend on your donations to keep uh, going with the podcast. Uh, You can donate online to our GoFundMe campaign, gofundme.com forward slash 2019-the-historians. Or you can send me a check made out to Bob Cudmore. Send to Bob Cudmore, 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. David Cooney with us, a student at Utica College. He's uh, written a a paper, an extensive uh, paper, lots of footnotes and uh, documentation on prisoner of war camps for German soldiers in upstate New York. And we've mainly been focusing on two of the camps, Pine Camp at what is now called Fort Drum and uh, the camp in uh, Utica, New York. This story didn't, I I was interested to see in uh, in your text that not much has been written about this over the years. True? No, it's a very seldomly spoken about topic. Honestly, I didn't know I didn't even know these camps existed until probably two or three years ago, when one of my uh, other professors, Dr. David Whitner, had mentioned that there was a prisoner of war camp here. And with this research, I kind of stumbled into it where. I was initially going to, going to conduct research on Rhodes Army Field Hospital in Utica, but ultimately I was persuaded by the head of our department and one of your former guests, Dr. Sherry Cash and Professor Simone, mm-hmm. to pursue this harder route just because, again, there's not much on this. Really, there's I've seen scant books, but they're mostly about individual camps. And the two major books that I can find are Nazi Prisoners of War in America by Arnold Kramer, and the other one being in, being a diary of Otto Herbuth, who was a German prisoner of war out at Old Fort Niagara, and it's, it's his complete diaries from when he was a German POW at Old Fort Niagara. I'm writing about uh, the pretty much the Amsterdam area, or eastern Mohawk Valley, and in fact, I just recently did a, a column on an American held in a prisoner of war camp in Germany, or several prisoner of war camps. And and I'm sure people would like to know the answer. Maybe you don't really know the answer to this. I mean, how did the American authorities treat these prisoners? They treat them better, let's say, than the Germans treated American prisoners or the Japanese treated American prisoners? By far. In the American South, actually, in Louisiana, some research led me to Louisiana, they referred to their German prisoner of war camps as the Golden Cages, where these German prisoners had it very, very, very well. They were able to 
take college classes, for example, take classes, learn languages. In Pine Camp, for example, they had a theater troupe and an orchestra <laughs> that put on performances. They were shown American movies such as Pittsburgh, just as an example, and their food was honestly phenomenal compared to any other prisoners of war. This is, as I put it with a with a lot of people when they do ask me about my research, this is a really a topic that shows the best in Americans, that no matter how badly we treat our boys, we're always still going to treat them right, and how we really do treat our prisoners, because this is truly the last time you have American prisoners being held in the continental United States for any really big conflict. Mm-hmm. So, and honestly, they are treated very, very well I'm actually uh, looking right now for one of their menus that the prisoners had here, but they ate very, very, very well. Uh, in the Utica camp, one of the reported menus well, they had boiled, was they had boiled potatoes, gravy, frankfurters, spinach, sliced tomatoes, bread and water, iced tea, and donuts. Hmm. And, and they had sandwiches made for them every day when they went out to the fields to go work. And I believe you made me point this out, or, you know, um, they were treated better probably than Japanese Americans were who were put into camps out in the West Coast. Oh, definitely. They were absolutely treated better. I actually spoke to my great aunt, Betty Copperweed. She lived in the Utica area about this and her opinion of the Japanese American internment camps in contrast to these camps. And she said, it's a shame what we did to the Japanese people during that time. And I wholly agree with her. And I definitely, in my research that I've seen is the Germans were very much treated better than our own citizens, our own Japanese Americans. And at some points, they were treated better than our African-American soldiers mm-hmm. who were guarding them. Yeah. Now... After the war ended, or when did this end? I mean, it wasn't like the war ended and they went right back to Germany. It took a while. Yes, so the prisoner of war program did not officially end until June of 1946. And that's when the last German prisoner of war left the United States officially. And I mean officially. There's another story out there that is uh, very interesting, but that's maybe a topic for another day. The last remaining German POW left in July, on July 22, 1946. Mm-hmm. So that's when the last German POW leaves the United States. Did any... However, they ended up working longer in Germany and Britain, Britain and France because they stripped them of their Geneva Conventions rights. So the, and they were viewed as war criminals and ended up staying there for years, months at a time. Oh, you mean when they got back to Europe, the British yes, and the French held them? Is that... Yes, sir. They helped rebuild France. Huh. Now, were there any of the German prisoners who had the opportunity to stay or who stayed in America? Yes, sir. There were quite a few. Um, I, In my research, I found a nurse out in Arizona actually married a German prisoner of war. It was very controversial at the time because it was an interracial marriage. Hmm. Where you have a German prisoner of war marrying an African-American woman, then there's another story from out in New Jersey where a German POW married an American woman. And believe it or not, it's not until the 1980s when the last German POW that escaped is finally captured. It's actually in 1985. His name is Georg Gartner. 
Mm-hmm. Sorry, my uh, my uh, German's not the best in the world. Still studying right. German, but it's not until 1985 when the last escaped German POW is found, and that's only because he came forward. Hmm. We're talking with David Cooney, a student at uh, Utica College, uh, about his research on prisoner of war camps in upstate New York. Let me ask you, uh, we have a few minutes left, what you're going to do with this research. Uh, and I understand you might be writing a story about it for the uh, Utica newspaper? Yes, sir. The uh, Utica Observer Dispatch reached out to me a couple of uh, weeks ago, and right now I'm currently working on a story for them about the Utica camp and the German prisoner of war program, which I'm currently putting the finishing touches on right now. And are you considering uh, a book on this subject or a magazine article or something like that? Yes, sir. I'm definitely considering a book right now on the prisoner of war camps. Right now, unfortunately, being a college student, I I do not currently have the time to write it while I'm in classes right now. But after I graduate, I do, I'll do. i have a lot more time then, and I do feel like I'll end up writing a book about each of the individual camps that were in New York State. Hmm. Can you tell us about your own military service? Yes, sir. I uh, actually joined the Army on Valentine's Day 2011. <laughs> okay. So it was a heck of a day. Um, I served as a cannon crew member, which is an artilleryman in the United States Army, along with being a human resource specialist. Later on in my career, I served many places. I served for, I actually started out my career in Korea for a year. Then I went to Fort Hood, Texas for about two years, got, got out of the active Army and went to the Army Reserves. Then I deployed to the Middle East, Kuwait, and Iraq for about nine months where I assisted in postal operations in the Middle East. And then I came back to the United States and decided finally it was time to go to school. And that's why I ended up here at uh, Utica College in upstate New York. Overseas, were you in combat? Uh, no, sir. I, did, I didn't, did not see any combat no. there. All right. But as, they, as we say these days, thank you for your service. You've had quite a career with the army what was your rank when you left the or maybe are you still in the reserves uh technically i'm in in the active reserve an active reserve sir and i was a specialist during e4 when i left the service and you're are you majoring in history yes sir yes sir i'm currently in history actually this is my last this is actually my last year at utica college studying history for my undergraduate I was very fortunate. They allowed me to complete my senior thesis during my junior year and publish it. So this is your senior thesis, this research, is that Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, and I don't know, just stray facts here. You were originally from Florida, you were telling me? Yes, sir. Um, I'm originally from St. Petersburg, Florida. My father's family they live all in the Mohawk Valley in upstate New York. My dad used to actually send me every single summer to New York State to go visit with my grandmother and my other family members. And my dad's originally from the Whitesboro area, and my mother's originally from the Westmoreland area. And I, um, well, you brought up her name, but uh, we had as a previous guest on the program uh, Professor Sherry Cash of Utica College who suggested to me doing this interview, and she said you did a very well-received talk on the subject at the Oneida County History Center in Utica. Yes, sir. I did that talk at the beginning of the summer this year. 
It was very well attended. I've done a couple of subsequent talks since then, one for Utica College, one up in Old Forge, New York, and I actually have one, I believe, in November upcoming in Oriskany. And it seems like it's being very well received that people are starting to learn about this history that's very relatively unknown and very it's I'm not gonna lie, it's a very out there topic. You don't see historians talking about German prisoners of war camps in America every single day. Mm. There's usually never I haven't in my case I've have not seen someone specialize in this historical research area. But when I give these talks, it seems like somebody always comes up to me and says, oh, my God, I had no idea this nope. existed and how interesting this program is. David Cooney has been with us. David Cooney, who's a student of history at Utica College, talking about POW camps for German soldiers in upstate New York. This has been the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.